So welcome everybody to the April 2015 podcast. Fantastic that you've uh, found the time to listen in. And I've uh, got loads of interesting, or well, hopefully interesting topics to chat to you about this month. And um, I wanted to start by talking to you about um, a magician who I have known probably now for getting on for 30 years. His name is Bernard Mariano and Bernard uh, lives and works in Hong Kong. And Bernard is a member of my eClub Pro Elite section, which is a small subsection of my eClub Pro online club, um, which is particularly for people like Bernard who want to uh, take their magic, um, in his case, semi-professional uh, activity to um, a slightly more detailed level than perhaps the regular members of eClub Pro do. And one of the things that elite members get is um, access to me for a, a conversation over the telephone once a month, uh, which is very helpful if um, any of the members in elite are looking for a particular guidance or advice or just want to discuss uh, in detail a particular project that they're working on. And Bernard has um, um, taken advantage of this telephone offering, if you like, uh, a couple of times recently. And it was something that he said in our last telephone conversation a couple of weeks ago that, um, that really struck a chord with me. He said, you know, he said, um, I've always thought it's really important to com continue to learn all of the time from all different aspects of magic. Um, and the reason he said this was because... Um, he often references in our conversations um, books or DVDs or tricks from a hugely wide variety of performers. And, and I said to him, I said, you know, you're incredibly well versed in, in, in sort of the, what the magic offerings that are out there. And he said, oh, well, yes, that's because I've, I've never stopped learning. I, I love to learn. And, and I think that's a really important lesson, really, for all of us. We perhaps all get, at times anyway, a bit one-eyed when it comes to uh, a particular interest in magic. Maybe it's we're into coins or cards or uh, something like that. And the temptation is to concentrate solely on that one area of interest to the exclusion of pretty much everything else. So in other words, someone who's into coin coin magic might not ever look or go or attend anything to do with children's magic. And a stage performer might not look at any close-up, and a close-up may never look at the stuff that stage people are doing, or illusionists are doing. But actually, that's probably not a really good idea, is it? Because there is a lot of cross-fertilization that can happen when you have a wider knowledge. Knowledge of, say, principles that uh, big illusionists use can sometimes be taken and used in close-up tricks, or variations of them can. So the more we know and the more interest we have in magic generally, just like Bernard has, um, the more likely we are to have uh, a good database of knowledge to draw on when it comes to working on what we want to do in our particular realm of interest. I, th I think this is particularly true of close-up. I think for close-up magicians, quite often are very narrow in what they're prepared to read about or watch. Um, because let's face it, I mean, card magic is a classic example of that. There is just so much that you can go into just with cards alone that there almost aren't enough hours in the day to, to branch out into everything else. But of course, in many ways, um, that is not perhaps a totally healthy thing, because even if all we ever really intend to, intend to do is card magic, it really does broaden the general knowledge that we have of magic if we can look at other things, too.
So I'm a great admirer of Bernard. I mean, he's essentially a, a close, um, not a close up, a, a children's entertainer, I should say, although he has an interesting close up too. But he's mainly a children's entertainer, has been um, for many, many years. And he's a very successful semi-pro. Um, but his interests are very, very wide and diverse. And, and as a result, he's a really interesting person to talk to because he has just so much uh, wide knowledge of magic generally. Now, I have to admit to you, I'm a little bit excited this month because um, in April, I'm going to be spending a, a couple of weeks doing magic in the US. I'm um, doing a, a sort of mini lecture tour uh, and then sort of leading right up to attending four F's uh, before coming home again. And um, it's it's always um interesting whenever i do um, several lectures abroad because um the scale of doing things in america of course is is fairly huge i mean logistically of course it's a very big country so much bigger than the uk and i often think that when american um, lecturers come over to the uk they actually have it quite easy because although we have very busy and crowded roads um, nevertheless there are lots of magic societies within easy hitting distance of each other compared to the states where of course everything is much more spread out and there are much larger journeys to uh, to be take undertaken if you want to get from one venue to the next but i'm really looking forward to do i'm going to be doing my e-club pro live lecture out there and as part of um, this tour i'm going to be um, presenting a lecture for penguin magic it's one of their on live online live lectures and it's taking place on um april the 19th sunday april the 19th in the evening or well, the evening over there and um, i'm doing a special um, presentation about different facets of close-up magic and showing and illustrating magic to illustrate the different types of close-up that we do whether it's uh, walkabout whether it's a close-up show whether it's bar magic whether it's uh, um, sort of dinner table magic and i'll be giving uh, talking about each of these facets and then giving um, illustration illustrations via magic that I normally use in those situations, performing and explaining them. Um, I'm really looking forward to that. It's it's a great opportunity to, um, to, to chat about something that I love, of course, and also to show some, hopefully, some very cool magic that people will enjoy. And um, I was looking at the, the list of people that, that they've had already at Penguin doing these online lectures, and um, it's a huge list. Um, I don't know how long it's been going and I don't quite know how often they do them, whether it's once every week or every two weeks or something like that. But it's it's clearly a, um, something that's very popular. And it is in many ways the, the, the future of magic learning, where you get people who have something hopefully of value to say using the Internet to, to in a sort of semi-formal setting to present their their lectures and their ideas and when you think about it and you think of the way LNL um, for many years um, really dominated the DVD market by getting top people in to to make DVDs uh, and now these online lectures which um, Penguin and people like Murphy's Magic are doing um, that's beginning to, to to almost take over from the DVDs because the people who buy a ticket to the Penguin ones for instance um, can interact with the lecturer a little bit um, sending questions or make comments uh, which is of course something you can't do with a DVD so it's like having of course a live lecture 
quite as good as being face to face with, with the perhaps with the performer, but it's the next best thing. And of course, what it does mean is it, that uh, people all over the world are able to um, hopefully enjoy and take part in lectures from all sorts of different people who they might perhaps might not normally see. People who perhaps wouldn't normally want to travel abroad um, can do their lectures and their lecture can go all around the world. So I'm very excited about that. And, and I always love 4Fs. Um, 4Fs I've been to many times. And uh, it is a fantastic close-up magic convention where uh, some of the best close-up magicians in the world are all gathered under one roof for three or four days of um, of exciting close-up magic. Uh, and it's not just the, the lectures and the, and the shows. It's, it's also the, the whole feeling of the, the, the ambience of, of the whole convention is great. Um, I've talked about it before, but it's it, a lot of conventions say, well, of course, there will be informal magic going on in, in, in the hotel lobby and all the rest of it. And although they promise that quite often, it doesn't happen. But at 4Fs, it really does. And uh, even in, in the uh, hospitality room that they that they set up for the uh, late evening sessions and people stay up there for hours into the early hours of the morning, sessioning, jamming, showing each other the latest ideas and just chatting about magic generally. It's a fantastic buzz. And I have to admit that I really enjoy going. So I should look forward to that as well. And hopefully once again this year, we'll have a really great time. So. I've got a bit of a problem, which I'm hoping maybe someone out there can help me with. And it's all to do with Facebook. Um, a couple of months ago, um, Facebook decided that they wanted to reorganize how um, people accessed business pages. Now, um, in order to have a business page, you have to have um, a personal Facebook page. And I have a couple of I have two or three different Facebook pages, one of which is my sort of main one, which is my what I consider to be my business page, which is where I talk to magicians, basically. But I have a personal Facebook page, which I don't really use that much, um, but I need it in order to have the business one. So Facebook decided that they wanted to change the way you accessed the business pages and they wanted you to do it so that you're you're sort of. Uh, point of arrival if you like at facebook was through the personal page and to do that they um put this big banner up across the top of the of the facebook page saying by this particular date you need to have um, sort of changed the way that you log on if you like uh, and you had some buttons to click and i started to do this and unfortunately um even though i was trying to follow the instructions that they were giving um what happened was i ended up almost having to create a brand new Facebook page. And although my business um, Facebook page was still there, if you typed in the direct URL, um, there was an, I couldn't get to it from any um, sort of way other than typing in the exact URL because it it never appeared on my personal Facebook page. So I couldn't link through to the business one from it which meant that I've got 1,500 um, sort of likes on the page and now I've lost all administrative rights to it and I can't seem to get back to it. I can't get back control of it. So short of starting all over again, I can't see how I can get my access to it back again. It just seems to have disappeared. Now, I, I've asked a number of people about this, people who, are, who know all about social media and who are very people who run businesses that deal entirely with Internet stuff, including social media. 
and so far um, they've they've basically come up with a blank nobody seems to know and there have been quite a few problems with this for various people um, but I've certainly fallen foul of this and um, and I don't know what to do I don't know whether to just abandon Facebook altogether because the thought of starting again um, is really more than I can bear and certainly more than I've time for um, or whether there's any of you kind listeners out there who have some technical knowledge who can understand what it is you think I might have done and can make any suggestions for how I can get back so that I can get my administrative um, sort of access to the business page again I'd be very grateful to hear from you because I absolutely don't know what to do and up to now I haven't found anybody who does so can you be any help to me one of the real joys I find of doing um, close-up magic in a commercial setting is that you get or quite often to talk to your audiences i mean not at big dinner functions where you're in a tremendous hurry but certainly um, if you're working in hotels in a more relaxed environment say in the lounge areas or if you're in a, um, a restaurant that uh, is not that busy and so you can spend a while at, at different tables and lay people do love to talk to us magicians about magic because their their opportunities for doing that are very limited some people have a, a real interest in how it all works and uh, how you got into it. And you tend to get, as you know, if you do any of this sort of thing, you'll always get asked the same questions. How did you start and, and so on? Where did you get your magic from? And so on. Because people, the general public, have very little idea about how we operate. One of the things that quite amuses me is that some of them um, actually don't know um, what the right term is to call the things that we do um, they don't know whether to call them illusions or tricks or, or just magic or scams cons that some of them struggle to they say when you do your 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 um and then they they can't find the word your what, what do we what do you call it illusions or um, um and it's quite interesting isn't it because see to us as magicians well certainly to me if somebody says um, do you do illusions i'd say no i don't because illusions to me, of course, as to most of you, I guess, means, you know, box illusions that the illusionists do on stage. But in the broader sense of the word to create an illusion, of course, I suppose we do. Close up magicians do do illusions and lay people therefore sometimes call them illusions. And some of them I've noticed they don't like to call what we do tricks because they think they're being in some way slightly insulting or that they are um, reducing the magic that we do down to something that sounds like it's inferior in some way or that it doesn't have any importance so they don't like to use the word tricks um, i know it's only semant semantics really it's just playing with words but um, i just find it quite funny when people don't know what to call it um, but having discussions with lay people is very revealing sometimes um, when they for instance discuss with you other magicians that they've seen um, one of the things I've noticed is that um, nearly everybody who has experienced close-up magic um, has had a good time with it um, they, they, they very rarely is there anybody I've heard of who's spoken to me anyway who's talked about uh, a strolling magician or a table magician and said oh he was rubbish they are always very very impressed and I think probably the reason is is because you know table magicians you go up to a table you do you perhaps your two or three best tricks and then you leave you don't overstay your welcome hopefully you've shown them your best stuff what's not to like 
So in that sense, we're, we're lucky. Whereas performers who have to do 45 minutes, say, or half an hour, um, the potential for a poor performer to bore the pants off somebody, I suppose, is increased. So close-up magic is lucky in that sense, I think, that, that people really do seem to like it. But um, one of the the, uh, the things that lay people like to ask, they say, oh, they say, um, um, what do you do if it goes wrong? And And that I find an interesting question, too. And I often say, well, if it goes wrong because, well, no, or they say, you know, what do you happens if somebody works out how you do your tricks? Well, to either of those questions, really, the answer is pretty much the same. If the reason somebody's worked out how the trick's done is because I've done it badly, then my own feelings of, um, uh, I get a feeling quite annoyed because I feel I've not done myself justice if I've made a mess of it. If somebody just simply works it out, and let's face it, all tricks have a solution, don't they? And some people are clever and they can see through things and they can work it out. I don't actually care because that if as long as that person has enjoyed the intellectual process of working it out and provided I performed it well and haven't given it away by bad technique or handling, then actually I'm not that bothered. Uh, and and but some people see that as a real challenge. Lay people don't. They say, ah, I saw how you did that one. And sometimes if I'm filling in the, the right or wrong mode, depending on how you put it, I say, well, um, actually, I don't care Um, because I don't care whether they've worked it out. If they've worked it out, I only care if I've done it badly. But of course, for some people, um, being able to talk to a magician is an opportunity to quiz you all about the television magicians like Troy and Dynamo and David Blaine or Darren Brown, people like this. They they will often ask you leading questions. What, 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 What do you think of them? And uh, they're hoping you'll give, no doubt, some uh, some inside track information that they can use and tell others. But I have to say, I do love talking to lay people. Um, it's I find it's really interesting, and it, and in many ways, it, it it's good because it's like holding up a mirror to ourselves and seeing how others see us, especially when somebody describes a trick that, that somebody else has done, and you know what that trick is, and you know how far away the from the reality of what the trick must have been the description has become from the layperson who's remembered it in a very enhanced fashion and in fact the whole trick sounds like a complete miracle that's because in his head it has become a miracle so um if you ever get the opportunity to talk to lay people don't if you've got the time then do it um because that's part of the enjoyment for them and you never know you might learn something that you never knew about the way people are looking at the magic that you do One of the roles that I fulfil for Magic Scene magazine is that of reviewer. So as well as being the editor and providing some of the content for the magazine uh, and doing a lot of the administration and order fulfilment, um, I also am part of the review team, which consists of about uh, six or seven experienced magicians who are able to give their uh, knowledge to looking at all the latest releases. So as a result of this, I, I receive all the products that people want to have reviews reviewed and I send them out to, to the team of re- reviewers. And obviously some of them I do myself. And one of the things that I've noticed, um, certainly over the last um, few years, is how the type of magic is changing. That's marketed magic. Um, so much of it now is um, unroutined Now, for someone like me, who ever since I started magic, I've always enjoyed putting a nice presentation around a magical effect 
or maybe of putting two or three magical effects together, routining as we call it, obviously. Um, but even if it's only one effect, of giving it um, some sort of a framework within which to present the trick. And I think that's really important. I think if you're going to perform to, to lay people, then it's nice to have something that they can relate to. Not a story exactly, but some sort of, um, even if it's a bizarre logic, some sort of internal logic for why you're doing what you're doing. But so much of the marketed magic now is not like that at all. Uh, a lot of it is very much a, here's a so-and-so, um, bang, now it's this. And that's it. So a, a trick will last five seconds. And it has, there's no presentation provided. Um, and I suspect a lot of magicians um, will not know how to put routining around it or how to make it into something slightly more substantial. They'll literally take the marketed product and, and say, oh, have you seen this? Ka-ching! And there it is, done. Now, this is all very well if you're just carrying a couple of tricks down the pub to show your friends. But when it comes to trying to, to put a few tricks together, let's say to do a set of tricks at a table or to put a little close-up show together, you suddenly will come to realise that all these tricks don't hang together with each other either. They're all too quick and slightly meaningless uh, unless you put them in with something else. I mean, an example would be, um, let's say, um, an effect that you might buy in which, and I've seen one of this sort of thing um, recently, where a pack of cards instantly changes into something else. Um, so it goes, here's a pack of cards, bang, and it's changed into a credit card or, or something like that. Uh, now, when that happens, it's a great magical trick and it looks fantastic on a, on a video demonstration, of course. And people go, whoa, how the heck's that done? And then they buy it at huge, huge expense. But the trouble is, once you get that item, now you need to go somewhere with that. So if you if you if you have the pack of cards and it changes into, let's say, a credit card, where are you going with that now? Don't you really need to then do something with the credit card, which leads to something else? And I would suggest that to, to have a proper rounded performance, that you it does need to go somewhere. And a lot of the tricks, um, even if they are slightly longer tricks, are not coming with much of an idea of a presentation. Now I am generalizing here because there are of course examples where people have put a lot of effort into the routining and give various variations of how the trick can be presented in different ways. But there are also a, there is also a huge body of material coming onto the market now that has absolutely no presentation at all. Nothing. No suggestions. It's just a it's eye candy. And that's all it is. Uh, so I do. I'm a little concerned that if if too much gets like this, that we will, we are going to start a lot of us losing the art of putting together a little show, because we won't have enough tricks of any substance that you can attach meaningful presentations to in order to make a show, because you can't make a show, in my view, with a collection of ten second visual moments. I just don't think it would um, it would keep the interest of an audience for long enough. For well over 20 years now, um, I've been an enthusiastic business networker. I'm not talking about going to network with other magicians. I'm talking about going to general business networking events and marketing myself as a strolling magician for corporate functions or trade shows and so on. And I found this to be very, very good. I've got a lot of work from it. 
because very, very few magicians um, go to the trouble to do it. So for me, it's been rich pickings. But one of the um, characteristics of going to networking events is that um, everybody exchanges business cards. And so every time I come home from these events, I always come home with a with a little collection of cards. And for years, I wasn't quite sure how to keep the cards. If you just throw them straight in the bin, then it seems what was the point in collecting them in the first place? So I thought, OK, I need to keep them in something. So I tried and I've tried a number of different things. I I tried buying um, sort of folders that have lots of poly pockets in them of the size of a business card. And I would slip them all in those. Um, and then I just had so many cards in the end that this wasn't practical any longer. So then I thought, I know what I do. So I started to um, using a hole punch, punch a hole in the corner of each card. And then I would string a load of them together on um, sort of metal paper binding rings that you could undo and put more on. But then you end up with these piles of cards and, and they're not very easy to look at. Um, so I've always struggled a little bit. And then I came to the obvious conclusion that you make an, uh, a spreadsheet of them. So I designed on Excel just a very simple spreadsheet in which I had the name of the contact and all their contact details in different fields. But the key thing was what they um, business or person did in that business because if you look at a lot of business cards strangely they often don't tell you on the business card what it is that the business is connected with it'll just say awg inc and then contact details and the name of the person well at the time when they were talking to you and it happens to be an it firm or something then it was obvious maybe the title of, of the business gives it away but often it doesn't and so you get that card and you look through your folder or you look on your little ring binder thing and you see this and you think, I have absolutely no idea what this person does, which makes it the card totally redundant. So um, putting a short note to myself as to what the business was, or what it did and what it, what that person did within that, and also whether I followed up or had any conversations with that person as well, has been hugely helpful. And the other thing that I've that uh, it's enabled me to do is um, because I have um, an easily changeable database, when I meet somebody and it turns out they've moved company, uh, they're now with a different firm or um, maybe some of their contact details have changed. Um, rather than me trying to go back and find the original card and throw it away and replace it with a new one, of course, I just change the database and then I throw the card away. So I know it's an obvious thing, but it took me years to, to think of doing it in this way. And each time I come back from a networking event, that's one of the first things I do. Because if you've only got seven or eight cards, it doesn't take that long. And also, it, it it's quite interesting because sometimes you think, oh, I haven't seen this person before. And when you start to type it in, it starts to pre-fill itself in. And it turns out, yes, you have. And because I keep a record of where I met that person and when for the first time, it means, ah, so I saw that person two years ago. Oh, look, they're now working for a different company. Or, oh, that person said they might be interested in a trade show. So now it, it triggers off thoughts. I contact them. Nice to see you again. I remember when I met you a couple of years ago, you were talking about doing a trade show. So it enables me to talk, talk as if I've remembered the original contact. So if you do any sort of networking, even if it's only with magicians, 
um, and you do collect information like that, if you just make yourself a little database on a spreadsheet, it doesn't have to be anything complicated, you could find it a very, very useful resource that you can tap into to get yourself more work. When you do something on a regular basis, like performing, um, I think over a period of time, you gradually develop a method of going about doing what you do. I'm not referring to the to the methods of the tricks here. I'm talking about um, the way like you prepare, when you prepare your show, how you prepare it. Do you ever practice things? Um, the way, when and how you you set your props ready for the show and it's little things like that logistical things and a lot of these things we've gradually developed over the years but sometimes i think it's quite useful to get somebody else to come along to a show with you or just spend a bit of time with you somebody who doesn't know your normal routine and ask them just to watch what you do and comment on it because i think sometimes we end up doing things and um, and we're still doing things because that's how we've always done it whereas actually there may be a better way to do it it's just that because we're so close to it we don't see what that better way might be i know my wife does this for a pastime if she um ever gets involved in anything that i that i do if she's helping me with uh, run an event or something like that or comes to a uh, convention with me she'll say why don't you put that over there? Because then that would be closer. And, and you realise, I realise that the only reason I've done it as I've been doing it is because that's how I first did it. And I've never thought to change it. Where somebody fresh coming in looks at, well, that's stupid keeping that there. Well, if you kept it over there, it, would, it wouldn't take you so long to do whatever it is. So um, I think taking a little look at yourself like that and not doing something simply because you've always done it like that can be very helpful. So why don't you try that? Uh, get somebody that you know, a, a magic friend of yours perhaps, just to come along, watch what you do, accompany to, you to a show and make some perhaps uh, some suggestions or comments and see where it takes you. You could find some really much better ways of doing what you've always done. So there we are. Another half an hour has flown by. I um, do hope you've enjoyed the latest podcast. Um, I shall be, as I mentioned earlier on, off in America for a couple of weeks. So I'm going to be sort of slightly out of circulation for the middle two weeks of April. But I will be back in time to do another podcast next month. And I look forward to having your company then. Bye for now.